0: Well, we've been for a couple of weeks now uh, on a journey through uh, these chapters in 2 Corinthians, Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, specifically chapters 2, 3, 4, and 5, where Paul is talking about his ministry as an apostle. Really, that's the broader context here. He's defending and defining his apostolic calling and ministry. But in the context of that, he's also talking about a sense of calling that I believe is common to each and every one of us, and so the theme over these last four weeks of January that we 've focused in on is turning faith inside out, turning faith inside out, and to help you picture that and remember that and and think about what it means for you, um, each week i 've been wearing you know just at least one article of clothing inside out. So if you're looking and wondering you know why my vest looks a little odd, it's because it's inside out. Now, I have to confess, this one's not as bad as some of the others that I've worn over the last few weeks. Uh, it hides well, the fact that it's inside out. In fact, it might have even been designed, I've noticed, to be worn inside out because it actually has pockets <laughs> on the inside and the outside. Beautiful thing. Uh, anyway... Uh, I, I just want you to know my, my vest is on inside out, and it's okay. I did it on purpose to remind you of our theme, turning faith inside out. Now, I love uh, Yashoda's story because it's a perfect illustration of what I want to share with you this morning. Her story was created by and inspired by her uncle's story, right? And she would not be sitting here with us as a part of this body, you know, married to Victor and a member of Capital City Vineyard Church living here in Lansing, Michigan, if not for the story that her brother, or her uncle, I'm sorry, shared with her that changed her life and the course of her life forevermore. So... Uh, what we 're talking about is is the significance of sharing the story that God has placed within each one of us and the impact that it can have on others when we 're willing to do that as we talk about this uh, again this morning. Um, You know, I want you to remember the passage of Scripture that's sort of the foundation of this series of messages. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, so a chapter prior to the words that we just read a moment ago, where Paul says that the grace of God is reaching more and more people through us. That's the idea behind all this. That's the heart of God, that's the the mission of God, that His grace is would be reaching more and more people through us. So how does that meant to work? What role are we meant to play? How do we get to partner with God to extend his grace to people around the globe? Well, let me give you what amounts to both a preview of where I'm going with this message and an overview at the same time. Uh, I want to teach you this morning about the three M's of being missional. And I have to give props uh, to Owen for this idea. We talked to, he talked about it at a leadership meeting that we had a couple months ago, and I thought it's just a really helpful paradigm for thinking about the way that God's called us to engage in his mission to the world. There are three M's that describe and define uh, what God's calling forth from each one of, of us as followers of Jesus Christ. Anybody know what they are besides Owen? Anybody remember from that leadership meeting a few months ago? No. (laughs) But good guess, though. Thank you. Thank you for stepping out. All right, are you ready? Here they are. Three M's the message, the motivation, and the method. The message, the motivation, and the method. Those are the three Ms of being missional that we're going to talk about this morning. Now, I have to confess to you, we're going to run out of time, and I'm going to try to just maybe get through the first two, and then we can come back and talk about the other one later. Uh, But what I want you to see with me is that all of these are, are talked about and described for us in some measure within the text of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So I'm not just making this up as you know. Oh, well, it's it's a slick little way to talk about mission because all these words start with M. You know, uh, it's one of those little preachers' tricks called alliteration to get you to remember things a little bit better. I'm not doing it for that reason. I'm I'm actually doing it because this is what the text speaks to us. It speaks to us very clearly about the the message, the motivation behind sharing the message and some, not all, but some of the methods by which we're called to do that. So let's begin, then, our exploration of Paul's advice and encouragement for us by understanding the message that we've been given. Here's what it amounts to. The basic message of the gospel is our own story of being reconciled to God and becoming a new creation in Christ. Now, I hope you'll recognize in that statement a couple phrases that have come directly out of the text in 2 Corinthians 5, but I also hope at the same time that you'll notice right right from the outset here that what we're talking about is our personalized experience of these truths. So when when you think about sharing the gospel message, What is the essence of the message? Sometimes I I, I fear that we make it too theological. We make it too heady. And we get intimidated about sharing uh, from that standpoint because we think, well, I don't want to necessarily enter an argument with somebody who has different beliefs than I do, or I don't want to try to convince somebody that what they believe is wrong. What I want to suggest to you this morning is that the best and most effective way to share the message of the gospel is to personalize it. Put it in terms of your story, your personal experience. So the message of the gospel, well, just think about that word. Think about the word message. What does it mean? What is a message? It's a form of communication. We all know that. It can be written or verbal or recorded communication intended for a particular recipient. That's one definition of the word message. Or another definition is that it could be a central theme that has political, social, or moral importance. Personally, I think the message of the gospel fits both those definitions at the same time. But the most important thing for us to think about regarding the message of the gospel is how it's changed our lives. How can we explain that to others? How can we share that with others? Instead of thinking of the message that God has given us as a summary of a bunch of theological truths, I want to encourage you to think of it as your story. Not just any random story, but your personal story. How has your life been changed by Jesus Christ? So 2 Corinthians 5.17 really is the touch point for this idea. Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Now, there are two ways of reading a verse like that, right? You can think, well, isn't that a nice theological insight? The new creation has come. Anyone in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. You can just think about that intellectually and theologically and miss the most significant point about what that verse points to, right? It's it's pointing to the experience of life change. It's pointing to the fact that every single person who is in Christ has gone from this life to this life. The old has gone, the new has come. Have you experienced that? Has that happened for you? If it has, then... You've lived this verse, and you have a story to tell. So the real question is, how have these words been true for you? Not just are they true in general, are they true theologically, but how have they been made true in your experience? How have you become a new creation in Christ? Find the answer to that question, and you've got a story to tell. So this is the essence, then, of what I mean when I say that each one of us has a God story and that we're going to practice sharing them this year. I've shared with you over the last several weeks that I'd like for one person every week, every Sunday morning when we gather together for the duration of 2019, that's 52 weeks, I'd like for 52 different people from this body to get up here and share their God story like Yashoda did this morning. Why? Because I want you to be prepared. I want you to be ready. I want you to practice. I want you to believe in faith that God's going to give you an opportunity to share that story beyond these walls. And if you share them within these walls first, that will help you prepare and be ready for other opportunities that the Lord will bring across your path. So the essence here of what we're talking about is your own story of life change? How has Jesus, the truth of who he is and what he did, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and all that goes with it, how has that reality changed your life? Are you willing to talk about it? Are you willing to share that story with others? Every one of us has a story to tell. Each one of us has an experience of new life in Christ that nobody else can deny or refute. Think about that. People could say, well, I disagree with your opinion, or I disagree with your theology. But nobody realistically can say, I don't believe, you know, like your story's not true. Right? Your story's true for you, and nobody else can refute it because it's your story. I mean, they can, they can want to believe that it's true or false, I mean, but, but it, it carries weight because it comes with your own personal experience of being changed. So so how have have you been reconciled to God? There are a couple things here that Paul touches on now that I think are helpful insights that are central to the message of what Jesus has done. But again, I want you to focus on your own experience of these things, not just the theological uh, truth uh, that they represent at a broader level. So for example... Look with me at two two verses from this passage where Paul kind of summarizes the life and ministry of Jesus, two examples of how he couches it. And you can always, of course, couch it in your own terms as you feel led. Uh, But two examples that come to mind for me are first, um, 2 Corinthians 5.15, where Paul says, he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So there it is in one sentence the very essence of the gospel message. He's talking about Jesus of course. Jesus came, Jesus lived among us, Jesus died for all of us, that those who live in him should no longer live for themselves but for him because he died for them and was raised again. So so Paul's talking here about the death and resurrection of Jesus. But again, notice that there's a personal aspect to this truth. How has the death and resurrection of Jesus changed your life so that you're no longer living for yourself, but living for God? That's your story. And nobody can take it away from you. Again, a little further down, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Paul says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, or some translations would say a sin offering. That's a little theological controversy that we won't spend too much time on. But, uh, but the point is, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's another touch point for your story, right? God has made you righteous in Christ. He's forgiven your sin. He's cleansed you from all unrighteousness. Are you able and willing to talk about how you've experienced that reality? How has it touched you? How has it changed you? How has it caused you to live a better life? So what I'm saying is don't be overwhelmed with the complexity of the gospel. I mean, you could look at a passage like this through theological lenses and you could go really deep here. Paul's a deep thinker. And I don't want to deny that or minimize that in any way. Some people really like to think deep, deep. We've got some deep thinkers in this church. I commend you for thinking deeply about passages like this and all the, you know, all the theology that's laid in, you know, deeply in these words that Paul offers us. Right? So we could get off into a long discussion about, about Christology, soteriology, ecclesiology, pneumatology, I mean, you know, all the ologies that you can think of are, are tied up in these, in these words of Paul. But, but listen, the, the goal is not to get people's eyes to glaze over when you start to talk. The goal is to draw them in. The goal is to capture their attention, right? How do you do that? By sharing your story. So my encouragement to you is to keep this as simple and as achievable as possible. Don't make it more complex than it needs to be. Don't lose sight of the fact that the word gospel literally means good news. How has the good news of Jesus changed your life? That's the essence of your gospel message. So, let me talk about the messenger, right? It's one thing to recognize that this is the message. The message is the life and death of, and resurrection of Christ. The message is what he's done for us and how it's touched and changed our lives. But a message cannot be heard. A message cannot land where it's meant to. A, a message cannot reach the intended recipients if there's no messenger. So implied here in and throughout this passage, is the idea that the message requires messengers. And who are they? All of us. All of us. The answer is all of us. Each and every one of us are called, as followers of Jesus, to become messengers for Christ. Notice how Paul describes this in verses 19 and 20 specifically. Listen closely. Here's what he says. He has committed to us, and that's an inclusive word, I believe, all of us. I mean, of course, he's talking about his own ministry, but he's including his readers as well. He's including everyone who hears and reads these words. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. I mean, stop and think about that. This is amazing. It's intimidating sometimes. This can be a little scary. But really, truth be told, it's a wonderful opportunity. It's an incredible miracle that God would want to choose us as his messengers, that he would want to make his appeal to other people through us. And, you know, we often think, well, I'm not good enough to, I can't do that. And then we disqualify ourselves. We think, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not mature enough, or I don't know enough, or I'm not ready, or whatever. We come up with all sorts of good reasons, good excuses to disqualify ourselves from being the messengers of the gospel. But the point is, Paul's saying, no, no, no. The heart of God is that the message of the gospel would be declared and dispersed through. All of us, we are the messengers, and we all have a message to share. So your story has unique power to capture people's attention and imagination. I mean, who wasn't sitting on the edge of their seat listening to Yashoda share about her her life? People know instinctively when you start to share your story that they shouldn't criticize it or condemn it, right? Because it's your story. People respect that. They might not have the same reservations about your opinions or your beliefs. If you want to have a theological discussion with somebody, that's going to probably lead down a different path. But if you're looking for opportunities to share your story and inviting other people to share their stories, you'll find doors are opened all over the place. Why? Why is it different? How is it different? Well, stories come from the heart, not from the head. And they touch the hearts of those hearing them in a different way. They have unique power to speak to those who hear them. So when it comes to being a more effective messenger of the gospel, my tip for you is this, and I'm still working on this myself. I haven't perfected the craft. But the idea here is to craft your message... To aim for the heart of those you have opportunity to speak with. Don't aim for the head, aim for the heart. What can you share about your own life experience of following Christ that would be appealing and enticing and intriguing to other people? Let me give you an example. I heard a God story this week that was like, Whoa! Are you kidding me? This is amazing. I had lunch earlier this week with an uh, older gentleman uh, named Anthony, and uh, I'll tell you his story, which he told me firsthand as we shared lunch together. Uh, He relayed to me the account that when he was a young man, he'd started a business in his home country of Ghana, uh, and uh, he was uh, running a taxicab business, but it was very stressful being a business owner and... uh, it was, he, there was just an emptiness within him. He was grappling with uh, feeling like the meaninglessness of life and the stress of running this business was accumulating to the point where he was, he was done. He was ready to just commit suicide. And so he climbed to the top of a building in Ghana. Uh, this is 1975 when he was a 25-year-old young man. Climbed to the top of this building And uh, he was on the seventh floor of this business building, standing on a ledge, prepared to jump. True story. He's standing there on the ledge, prepared to jump off and end his life when he hears a voice speaking. And the voice says, some people here are going to die, and when they die, if they don't accept Christ they will die twice. Imagine, he's standing on the ledge, about to jump, about to kill himself, and he hears a voice say those words. And he recalls at the moment thinking, wait, I I don't want to die twice. What's he talking about? And who's talking? Where's this voice coming from? Well, lo and behold... Uh, There was an evangelistic crusade happening one mile away. And the voice was coming from the loudspeakers at the crusade. It was the voice of evangelist Reinhard Bonnke. And there were like hundreds of thousands of people gathered at this stadium one mile away from the building where Anthony found himself standing on the ledge. He listened to the words of the message, felt God was calling him, Saving him in that very moment, not to jump. Right, he left the ledge, pushed the button, went down the elevator, and ran one mile to the stadium. Got there, and the ushers were trying to hold him back, saying, "No, no, no! The, we haven't given the altar call yet. You can't go forward. It's not time." And he basically told told the uh, the usher, "No, you can't keep me from going because." Something is on me, the Spirit of God is on me, and I have to do this right now. And so Reinhard Bonnke's up on the stage preaching, and Anthony runs to the front and kneels down and gives his life to Christ. Right in the middle of the message, before they even got to the altar call. Now here's the rest of the story. Anthony is now Bishop Anthony Yeboah. And let me tell you something about Anthony. That was 25 years ago. Anthony now lives right here in Lansing, Michigan. He has an international ministry in Africa, uh, particularly in Ghana and in the Ivory Coast. And his ministry, called Free International Missions, has trained over 600 pastors and helped plant several hundred churches in 13 different African nations. And here's his life goal, his mission, his vision for the future. He has a Christian radio station that broadcasts the gospel message and the stories of people like him into nations that are inaccessible to Christian missionaries that are predominantly Muslim. And his goal is to reach over 300 million Muslims with the gospel. How's that for a story? That's what I'm talking about. That's, That's incredible. You can't make this stuff up. It's incredible. It's compelling, right? You hear a story like that. I don't care where you are in relationship to God. And you're thinking, what? Are you serious? That's the kind of story that gets people's attention, right? It prompts them to start asking questions. What is going on? How could this be true? What kind of God is this that would do a thing like that and change a person's life in such a way? And the focus, again, see where the focus is in his story? I mean, yes, there's some truth behind and beneath it about who Jesus is and what Jesus did, but the focus is on what happened in his life as a result of who Jesus is. So there's... Theological truth behind and beneath the story, but the story itself is the doorway to people's hearts. Now, you you might be thinking, as I do sometimes, when I hear stories like this, "Oh, my story's lame. <laughs> I don't have much of a story. You know, I was raised in a Christian home. I've known Jesus all my life. You know, it's not like a gutter to glory testimony. Um, how can I tell that story in a way that's compelling? I've had to work at that, actually." And I'm still working at that, trying to refine my story and, and craft it in such a way that it's, it's still compelling and, and interesting to people. The key thing is, it's got to be true, right? Don't make it up. I mean, I'm not telling you to get creative and, you know, try to make your story wilder than it really is. What I'm saying is, find a way that you can tell your story that's compelling to those who hear it. And then, here's the key, Right? Look for opportunities to share it. What the problem is, most of us are looking for opportunities to get out of sharing the story instead of to get into sharing the story. Are you looking for ways? Are you looking for those divine appointments that God brings across your path? Are you ready to speak for Jesus when an opportunity presents itself? Now let me just pause right here in this very moment In fact, I think we're going to end here because time's up. Man, the time goes quickly. So here's what I want to do this morning. We're going to come back and finish part two and maybe get into part three of the three M's over the weeks to come. Uh, But let's just pause right here. Uh, I want to do two things for ministry time this morning. As we wrap this up, I'm sorry for the abrupt ending, but I just looked at the clock and realized how late it is. So... Um, Here's what we're going to do. First and foremost, I want to say to you that are here this morning, in the very words that Paul used to speak to the Corinthians, be reconciled to God. That's an invitation. Be reconciled to God right here, right now. If you're sitting there this morning listening to these stories and you're thinking to yourself, I don't have a story. Because Jesus has not changed my life yet. Well, now's your chance. This is your opportunity. Right here, right now, you can make a decision to give your life to Jesus and be reconciled to God. That's the invitation that is before you. And that invitation is available to each and every one of us. So I know that many of you looking out here, I know you well, you've been part of this church, most of you for a long time. I know most of you have already made that decision. But if there's anyone here this morning that has not chosen to be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ, would you like to do that? Anyone? I am going to commit to you that I will present that invitation more routinely over the year to come. I would like you to commit to me that you will look for opportunities to share your story with people and to invite them to come to church with you. How about that for a deal? Because I believe from my heart of hearts, this is the mission of God and the mission of his church. God is wanting to see more and more people receive his grace. And honestly, we've not been very good at this. That's why I'm talking about it. That's why I feel compelled to teach on it, because it's not been a strength of our congregation. Lots of great things that God has done in us and through us, but this is something where I think the Lord is wanting to to take us a little deeper and uh, to cause us to become a little bit more effective and a little bit more fruitful. So, number one is I present to you right here and now the invitation. And if there's anybody here, if you'd like to talk to me after the service or if you want to pray uh, about it, if I can answer questions for you, um, if you're here searching this morning and you have not yet allowed the Lord to claim your life, if you've not yet given yourself to faith in Christ, and allowed it to change you from the inside out, um, now's now's your chance. And I just extend that invitation freely, and I would love to talk or pray with anyone here that, that feels moved by the Spirit to respond. Now, so for the rest of you then, the challenge that I want to pray into and over is that you would be prepared to share your story that you would be crafting that story, that you would be praying over that story, that you would be um, thinking of those to whom you could share that story. In fact, last week we took names. I had you fill out three by five cards, those that were here, of people in your circle of influence that, that that you know need to know Jesus and don't. And those cards are in this basket up here on the altar. If you want to add more names or cards to the basket, feel free to do that. What I said last Sunday is that I want to leave that there over the course of this year as a visual reminder to all of us that we're praying for these people, that we're praying for a revelation of who Jesus is to come and change their lives. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray into this. And um, what I'd like to do is actually even just ask a few folks to come and, and pray so that I'm not the only one, Uh, if you feel like something's burning within you, if you feel like the Spirit is prompting you uh, to pray into this, and uh, if you've got some passion for sharing your story and seeing others share their story, I'd like to just invite maybe three or four or five people to come up and pray. And if I don't get any good volunteers, I'm going to start picking people out. All right, Carrie, I see you. Amen. Michael, come on. Zachary, is he still here? Ah, not for the moment. Okay. Anybody else? I'll take one or two more. All right, you guys, come on over here.